afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis and the late Patty Hi, Fink. Hi, this is Patty Fink and you're listening to Lambda Weekly. I hope that's not a sign of how things are going to go today. No, stay, po stay positive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the late Patty Fink is running extra late today. She'll join us, oh, probably halfway through the show. Uh, our guest today in the studio with us, we have Frederick Tan, Tran. Uh, Frederick is the Director of Strategic and Creative Initiatives for the Salmon Center for the Arts. And on the phone, we have Brandon and James, who are coming to Dallas to do a fundraising concert for the Salmon Center on October 20th at 8 p.m. Do you want to tell us, Frederick, just a little bit about it? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, the Salmon Center for the Arts is a uh, arts nonprofit here in Dallas. We are housed in the city's oldest public uh, building. Um, the it is a historic building. Uh, it used to be the Turtle Creek uh, water pump station. It was built in 1908. Uh, in 1988, it was converted to the Salmon Center for the Arts. It's a we, gorgeous building. It is a gorgeous building. It cost a pretty penny to renovate <laughs> and maintain it. Um, the it city, better look good. Yeah, the city didn't do that. We did that. Oh, okay. Um, so fun fact for everyone, we, um, the Salmon Center actually fundraised to restore and renovate the whole building. Nice. Um, and we continue to do that today, uh, which nice. is one of the reasons why we're having this fundraiser on Friday, October 20th. Um, at 8 p.m., we have um, a fantastic concert put on by uh, Brandon and James, who I think will speak later today. Awesome. Well, how about if they if we go to them right now? <laughs> Brandon and James, Hi. are you there? Hello there. How are you? Good. Happy Sunday. Yeah, happy Sunday. Where are you? We're in Philadelphia at our home, which uh. is a rarity. Oh. Ah, uh, for some reason, I thought you were West Coast. <laughs> Oh, uh, I grew up on the West Coast, but we live on the East Coast. Okay. Nice. Um, together, you have your own sound that you put on familiar songs. Did you have a career, separate careers, before you met each other? Yes, we did. Um, I, I'm Brandon. Hello, everybody. Hi, Brandon. Hi. Um, I had a career in opera before I met James. Um, at Lyric Opera Chicago and Metropolitan Opera New York and LA Opera and did that for about a decade. I toured around the world with a group called the 12 Tenors. So I was kind of dabbling in popular music and classical music at the same time. You're also and, a former uh, finalist on America's Got Talent. I am. Yeah, it was, uh, it feels like ages ago. It was 2013. It, I guess it was 10 years ago. Time flies. Um, okay, so tell us, how did you meet? And I know this well, is a good story. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is James. Uh, I'm the Australian, uh, the cellist in the group. And um, I moved to Los Angeles, uh, to Long Beach, actually, California, to do my master's. And Brandon was uh, living there after his time in America. And we actually met online, uh, even though we liked to, well, we liked to tell our parents we met at Starbucks uh, because we were embarrassed to admit that we met online. Since <laughs> over, over nearly 10 years, uh, we've come to terms with it, and it's, uh, it's out there now. So, yeah, we met on Scruff. Well, it's okay to have your Scruff story for your gay friends and a separate parent story. 
your Starbucks parent, Starbucks <laughs> story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of her moms did some Googling. Yeah. Who says you can't find true love on apps? Exactly. Look, we're a success story, a success story. Maybe they should sponsor us. <laughs> Has it been challenging, uh, both of you all, working musicians, um, had your own separate careers, traveling a lot, was it challenging to like make this work romantically because you you do travel a lot um i would say no would you say no i would say, I would say no as well okay that's good i guess we should yeah uh, that's, it's, uh, we we um people ask us all the time how we live and work together and travel so much all the time we're like literally together almost all the time 24 7 and um i I think what makes it work is that we actually love, we're friends, we like love being together. And so, I mean, of course, every couple has their moments and we all are human and get frustrated and impatient and whatever else. But I think uh, in general, we, we love being together and we both uh, are pretty equally tied when it comes to our love for travel and for meeting new people and for playing music, obviously. So we're kind of always together doing stuff that we love and it makes life very bearable nice yeah we have a mutual respect for one another and also for our music and i think that really helps drive what we have together and keeps us from killing each other, killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about how you all um came together uh professionally musically you could have just dated and said hey i'm gonna stay a singer i'm gonna uh, James, you're going to do your thing. You didn't have to come together professionally. Would that did that come naturally, or did you have to talk about it? No, it came naturally because otherwise we would literally never see each other. We, um, if we had separate careers, we would probably be traveling on such different schedules that we would, yeah, it would be hard to maintain a relationship. At least for us, maybe for some people that would that would help them maintain the relationship, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, for us, it just kind of, we wanted to be together, and so it was hardly any time at all um, after we met that Brandon said, hey, I've got this gig, you want to come play cello on it? Or maybe put a, it was actually, I organized a little trio by bass, drums, and piano for a, a gig in uh, Palm Springs. And we just kind of naturally wanted to be together and to work together, and it was at, at that performance where we played Hallelujah, actually. Um, with the cello and standing on piano and singing that people loved and that gave us kind of the impetus to move forward with this weird concept of a cello vocal duo. Yeah, so uh, artistically, for someone who's never heard of you uh, both, how would you describe your music? Um, I would describe our music as pop rock driven with classical flair. Yeah. It's kind of like Josh Groban or Andrea Bocelli meets the two cellos or the piano guys. Hey, you can't go wrong with Andre Bocelli, so I, I like right. that. I have an idea. <laughs> Why don't we play one of your songs to give our listeners uh, an idea of what your music is about? That sounds great.
That was a beautiful version of that song. That was gorgeous. Thank you. Thank uh, you gosh. Now, I know that you each have, that you, it's a special song for you for different reasons. Well, I was yeah. going to say, had I not already been married, I would have said, oh, I felt my wedding song. <laughs> oh, it is such a beautifully written song. The lyrics are just so gorgeous. It, 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 people don't write songs like that all the time. It's just so well crafted I think it kind of speaks to people on a lot of different levels um, are, you um, have different reasons for liking that song though I was reading on your blog yeah um, I mean Vincent Van Gogh has always been a big inspiration to me as, as far as the art is concerned when, when I was in, in junior high school I, I, I took some art classes and really uh, developed an affinity for both Frida Kahlo and Vincent Van Gogh and um, you know, for the, the life that he was led that was so tortured and admired by sadness and depression I, I don't know as a fellow artist I guess it's something that I could I could hold on to and and really um, identify with but um, as we say all the time when we talk about him and that song and his artwork that you know he did suffer a lot from sadness and depression, but we still always try to look at the silver lining and behind sadness there is still a lot of beauty and life. And for me, the song has uh, great memories because it came out my freshman year in college and Don McLean came to do a concert. Uh, I went to school in upstate New York and it was snowing and he had trouble getting up the throughway. So he came and got there about three hours late. And when he finally did start the concert, he just let it keep going because there was no way he was getting home that day. Uh, so it, it was just a long, gorgeous concert. That's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so generous of him to do that. Yeah. He was a real poet. So um, I was wondering, you know, are most of your works covers, or do you all have any uh, uh, original material that you've composed and written? Uh, we do have some original songs as well. Um, I think we actually might play one in our show on Saturday. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was actually very timely for what's going on in the world at the moment. Uh, it, songwriting is something that I like. Uh, it's not something that I'm... It's kind of like a muscle that you have to exercise all the time, and I, I don't always exercise it, if I'm being completely honest. Um, but I, I do enjoy doing it. James and I have written a couple of songs together, which we perform from time to time, but mostly our work is cover work. And I have I pulled some other songs that we'll play throughout the hour. Um, I want to go back to uh, America's Got Talent. Yeah, how, how did you, um, no, I'm going to ask the bitchy question, uh, dish yeah. about Simon Cowell. <laughs> um, so Simon Cowell was actually just a producer, he, he's the executive producer of the show and always has been. And oh, he I wasn't was, on at the time. He wasn't a judge, no. I had some interaction with him through emails, but I actually never met him in person. 
um, at, at, in my year, the judges were Howard Stern, Howie Mandel. Oh, that's Mel, right. And Heidi Klum, who's a fixture. Now, I mean, Brandon, you have an amazing voice. Um, somebody would think, okay, obviously you're a shoe-in to get on, you know, those type shows. Um, but was it difficult? Like, is there a long audition process even just to get on the show, let alone win? Yes, I mean, there's, there's several different audition processes, especially these days. But even at the time, you could submit things online. Sometimes they would scout you and, and contact you and ask you to audition. I did it the old-fashioned way, and just I stood in line with about 10,000 people um, at the McCormick Center in Chicago and um, waited my turn and finally got to sing around 9.30 at night, and then I think I, I left it just before midnight. And did they let you know right away, or did you, did, 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 like a lot of auditions, you wait weeks and weeks before you hear anything? Well, I think that night I, I sang for three different rounds of producers, and I was given a sheet of paper that said, you've been selected to sing for the judges, um, but it's not guaranteed at this point. Um, you know, it's TV, so everything's kind of up in the air. And at that point, they're, they're casting characters in a TV show. So right. uh, I know I have friends that made it through to that, that far and then actually never ended up singing for the judges. So... Um, it was it was all up in the air at that point. Nothing is guaranteed, but I, I had a, a pretty good feeling about it. Nice. And you made it to the finals. I did make it to the finals. It was I was very lucky. Um, sometimes I kind of feel like it's winning the lottery. I, I'm I'm very grateful that people appreciated my talent. But there's so much talent out there, um, and some people get a chance, and others uh, just I guess it just passes them by. Hmm. Well, we need to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis. Uh, Frederick Tran from uh, the Salmon Center for the Arts is also here in the studio with us. And we'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. This is Rafael McDonald from Resource Center Dallas. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis. Uh, with this us. is a random person, and I don't listen to Lambda Weekly. On I'm not sure why that cart player is doing that. It is. I checked it. It's set right. <laughs> um, with us is Frederick Tran. He's the Director of Strategic and Creative Initiatives at the Salmon Center for the Arts. On the phone with us are Brandon and James, who are coming to Dallas to do a fundraising concert for the Salmon Center on October 20th, which is this coming Saturday? This coming Friday. Friday. Friday, yeah. If you want tickets... If you want tickets, you can go to salmonsartcenter.org, um, and it will be the first banner you see on our website. Um, you can't miss it. Brandon and James are a very handsome couple, and they're displayed very prominently. <laughs> yes, we, they are. We also <laughs> had them on the cover of Dallas Voice this week. Yeah. It's a great cover. Yeah. So, Frederick, tell us what, um, what exactly uh, your title, what, is that, what does that mean? <laughs> so I get a lot of questions like that um, because it's a, it's, a, it's a unique title. It's a long um, title. Basically, it... it um, it's it's a mismatch of uh, marketing, PR, uh, development, and grant writing, um, and then you know the famous other duties as assigned. <laughs> of course, um, you so love it gives that. me a 
great bandwidth uh, to play in. Gotcha. Okay. So you don't, well, maybe you do. Do you court or have a hand in actually breaking talent? to the Samus Center? No, I um, I actually do not. Uh, okay. My job is to promote the talent. Promote the talent, okay. Um, we have an incredible artistic director. His name is Arlington Jones. He's a Steinway artist. Um, he handles, um, in addition to being an arts incubator for about 16 other resident groups, um, we also have our own Salmon's Jazz uh, concert series, uh, one each, or two seasons each year, and a Salmon's Cabaret. Uh, Arlington is our artistic director for Salmon's Jazz. He handles all the programming for that. Um, Salmon's Jazz will actually be entering its 35th year of existence in Dallas uh, next year. Wow. So that's that's huge for us, huge for Dallas, and huge for, huge for the arts, uh, specifically the jazz scene. Hmm. Um, who are some of the other groups that make uh, the Salmon Center their home? Sure. So uh, we have 16 resident groups. Uh, I'm just going to name a few. Uh, the Total Creek Chorale is one. The Greater Dallas Youth Orchestra is another. Karamea Theater. Um, the Women's uh, Chorus of Dallas is um, also a tenant. Um, outside of the 16 tenant groups, we also have about 100 other groups who use our facilities um, annually, uh, whether that's rehearsal space, meeting space, um, you know, uh, Performance performances. Space. Uh, anything you can think of, um, we have it for them, and they use it. Uh, our, our job is to allow for small and mid-sized art groups to grow. Um, so what we offer them is like subsidized rent on office space, performance spaces. Uh, we have a technology center for them to use. Anything you can think of, we try to provide it for them um, because our whole mission is to watch the arts grow in De um, not just Dallas, but North Texas. So sounds like you guys are kind of book maybe year-round or close to it we have um every day is a fun day to walk into the office um, my favorite days are um not so much the dance groups um but more of the orchestra rehearsals mm -hmm. because we get to hear the music they are rehearsing um and it's incredible it's such a privilege to work there yeah and brandon and james is this your first time coming to dallas it is not we We've been uh, coming there for several years, but it is our first public performance there. Uh, we've, we've performed at the Dallas Country Club and the Dallas Women's Club a few times. Um, we used to um, play in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is kind of where we uh, developed our start of uh, a Dallas fan base and then down to some more when we went to Puerto Vallarta because a lot of folks from Dallas had down there for the winter. And... Um, yeah, this is a, we're excited that we finally have a, a, a public performance that people can come to there. It's interesting that you noticed that there were so many people from Dallas and Puerto Vallarta. It's becoming the place for the gay community to retire. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. It, it, yeah, I, I, I know several people have moved there personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is your first time uh, with a public performance in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're very much looking forward to it. Um, I think our, our music is kind of a little hard to describe. People have to come and see our show to really uh, understand the breadth of what we do. And um, we, we found over the years that people find us funny. <laughs> There's a lot of comedy in our shows as well as uh, movie music. Why don't we play another one of your songs? Sounds good. Thank you. 
Again, a beautiful version of Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in the studio during the song, we were just talking a little bit, and Laurent said, I never heard this song before. And when I told him the name of the song, he said, oh, it's so dramatic. How do you determine how you're going to deal with a song or what you're going to do with it? Um, it, it depends. There's different things that speak to us. Sometimes it's lyrics. Sometimes it's melody. Um, sometimes it's an, an affinity of the the way the harmonic structure of a certain song fits with a classical piece. Actually, that kind of means we bring it up to a certain speed or give it a certain feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's lots of things. We often joke about how we play a lot of sad music, which is kind of true. But we're a tenor and a cello, and um, you know those are kind of Bad instruments at mm-hmm. sport, but um, yeah, we, we still have a, a really fun time and jovial time doing it. Do you ever start out with a song and uh, at first think, "Oh, we're going to do this one real upbeat," and as you're working on the song, it turns out to be something completely different? Yeah, that does happen quite a bit. Um, mostly, is because of my operatic voice. There's, Things that are really wordy or like patter songs or you know very well, pop melismatic. things. Yeah, melismatic. Like I, I can't do Mariah Carey kind of sound. <laughs> <laughs> That's not really my jam. So there are a lot of things that don't work. Um, but often, if you slow them down and give them more of a long melodic line, then it will fit into the style that we're accustomed to playing. Yeah. What works for us a lot actually is uh, rock music. 
because a lot of like epic rock songs have really long lyrical melodies and that works perfectly for an operatic voice. Hmm. So, that's the, the beauty of, um, I think when you do covers, you can just kind of make it your own. Um, but I was wondering, do you all have like an artistic director kind of maybe pushing you to do certain songs and do them in certain ways? Or again, is it just you two, hey, we want to do this and we want to do it the way we want to do it? The option B. <laughs> <laughs> really Making all the decisions for better or for worse. But so far, it served us pretty well. That's yeah. great. Um, James, uh, Frederick told us you just recently made your debut at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Brandon likes to remind me that he made his several years before me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a, kind of a pinch me moment. I, um, a friend of ours, actually from Puerto Vallarta, he's a Mexican tenor, um, Enrique de Allende, has a beautiful voice. And um, kind of last minute, uh, some, things, some changes happened, and we were going to be at the show anyway. And uh, the music director called me and said, hey, would you come and play cello on it? So, of course, I said yes. And, uh, yeah, just Thursday of last week, um, there I was in Vile Hall making my Carnegie Hall debut. It was so much fun. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was up there last year. Uh, one of the groups that, that makes the Salmon Center their headquarters, the Turtle Creek Corral, was performing up there. Uh, and there's just always something that's just so exciting about going to Carnegie Hall. It, yeah, it felt totally surreal. And the Chicago Symphony was playing in the big hall um, right next to us. And so we kind of used the same stage door entrance, and it just felt totally crazy. I couldn't really believe it was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you all have a, uh, an album or albums, or do you just... We do have several albums. We have um, three recorded albums that are on streaming sites, okay. like Spotify, iTunes, etc. Um, we've recorded albums in Mexico and Belgium and South Africa. Oh, nice. Uh, sounds random, but uh, we kind of have chosen certain music producers to work with, and uh, depending on our schedule, a, a studio will pop up and we'll be in, in a place like Puerto Vallarta and um, have some time to record there. So yeah, uh, recording is a big part of, of what we do and I think there's another album that works in the winter for us. Oh, nice. Um, is any particular place that you prefer to record in, like a studio or maybe like in a house where the acoustics are different or anything like that? Um, studio recording is really tricky and you kind of have to have a very dampened sound in the studio in order to control the instruments and the, the vibrations and frequencies that come off of instruments and vocals as well. Uh, so it's actually not always the most pleasant experience because you get nothing back from your playing like you might in the... In, the, in a beautiful hall. Yeah. Like like when we're at the Salmon Center on Friday, we'll, we'll have reverberation and we'll get energy back. But in a recording studio, it's, it's just you and the mic and, and the headphones and it's really kind of unforgiving and you have to sort of make the magic happen and trust your instincts mm -hmm. that uh, what you're doing is going to sound good in the end and the, the producers and the engineers kind of help with that in the finished product. It totally feels like a very different beast 
a live performance, that's for sure. You get there's no energy swapping of you giving out uh, some expression and and getting eliciting any kind of response from someone else. It's just kind of a vacuum or void <laughs> of nothingness. It's so bizarre, and it's taken us probably several times around to kind of get used to it. And that's funny that you say that because it's the stereotype of what you expect recording artists to do. You go into a studio to write and record. Yeah. But, but I, I, I think I can understand where they're coming from. And oh, I, I totally get it. In, in, in another life, I used to be an actor. And when uh, live performances there's nothing that could replace it, that immediate feedback from the audience. And yeah. things were kind of slightly different every night, depending on the audience, um, even how you deliver the line. But when you're yeah. just rehearsing with no crowd or, you know, we I've even filmed a few things. And like you said, there's nobody there but you and the, uh, the per people you're working with. It's a totally different vibe. So I get that. It is. We It's kind of like during the pandemic, we did... Um, 12 or so virtual virtual shows which you know like we basically set up a tv studio in our apartment in new york mm -hmm. and same kind of thing there we could see that people were like writing comments but you'd finish a song and there'd be no applause you can't perform to anyone you can't see into anyone's eyes you can't there's no energy exchange yeah <laughs> it's just the most strange thing i don't know how people who do tv and and movies act as you've mentioned like that all the time because yeah it's it's a it's its own kind of art form i think it, it, it is, is. It, it's, it's a different type of skill set for sure yeah. but clearly we like it because we keep going back to to record more albums as mm -hmm. much as we uh keep saying that it's a process uh it is something we really really enjoy and the finished products to have you know those those recordings out of the ether forever is kind of a special thing in, in that now one of your uh, uh, albums is a Christmas album yes uh, James and I both have an affinity for holiday music uh, he's more of the types who could walk into those kitschy holiday stores and tourist areas and go Christmas ornament shopping in July <laughs> I'm not quite that much of a freak but we do love Christmas music and uh, we recorded an album recently. Uh, there's a duet there that features a wonderful friend of ours uh, from postmodern jukebox. Her name is Effie Pacero. And um, we might record another volume of Christmas album in the future. We might. There's a lot of good Christmas songs that would suit us. Hmm. Love Christmas music, so I'm going to have to go get your Christmas album. But I, I, <laughs> you said it's streaming, right? I, I can download it? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. I know early, but actually just last week and this week are the first weeks that like mainstream pop artists start releasing Christmas singles yeah. so you'll start hearing radio yeah and one of the shows that I do here is the Jewish music hour so every year on Christmas uh, I always do the totally inappropriate Jewish music hour Christmas show <laughs> with, with all music by sung by and written by Jews so I love it. Yeah. Um, we need to take another break. Um, Frederick. Yes. Tickets. Yes. So if you want tickets to uh, the show on Friday, we are down to, I believe, 
our last few tables. So for tickets, please go to salmonsartcenter.org. That's S-A-M-M-O-N-S-A-R-T-C-E-N-T-E-R.org. Very good. We'll be back with more with uh, Brandon and, and James, uh, as well as a little bit with Frederick, right here on Lambda Weekly. And we'll be back with... And this is Lambda Weekly. We're talking to Brandon and James. They're coming to Dallas to do a fundraising concert for the Salmon Center on Friday, October 20th at 8 p.m. Uh, Frederick, give us the website to get tickets again. Once again, uh, that website is salmonsartcenter.org, S-A-M-M-O-N-S-A-R-T-C-E-N-T-E-R.org. Um, one of the things that I read about you, uh, uh, Brandon and James, is that you've performed in 70 countries. Wow. Is that, that true? Yeah, that, that, is, that is true. Um, we actually hit a lot of those countries um, working, uh, performing on luxury cruise lines, if I'm being completely honest. So um, we've, we've traveled to 70 countries together. I've, I've toured a lot of those places uh, with other touring groups. But um, that was definitely one of our biggest passions that we shared together. So, so okay, so you're traveling to that many different countries, which is just amazing. But let's be honest, I'm sure all those countries aren't, weren't necessarily or aren't necessarily LGBT friendly. How do you all go about performing? Um, maybe some songs that might, you know, indicate that you're a couple or maybe express LGBT love, that type of thing? We often perform, um, actually, when we perform on cruise ships, we, our relationship doesn't come into it at all. So um, we just kind of, it's more about the music in that instance, um, as opposed to what we're going to present next week, which will be a little more, I guess, honest. Um, it's not that we're being dishonest, it's just that we, it's, you know, different shows have different mm, bents to them. And so, yeah, we're not always billed as um, a performing couple. And so when we're not, we, we don't necessarily just play at our relationship. We, yeah. we talk about our up music offerings and um, tell lots of other stories about our lives. It's true. Even... <laughs> In saying that, uh, often people can tell that there's some kind of connection between us, uh, even if we don't mention that we're husbands and uh, or anything LGBTQ at all. People still are, come up to us afterwards, and are, uh, we get the question a lot if we're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Brothers who were raised in different countries and have completely I, different I accents. Different, <laughs> like, at birth or something. I, it's so weird. But yes, a lot of people do ask us that. Um, I, I used to feel like we were hiding part of ourselves if we didn't talk about our relationship, but I don't think that's the case anymore because I think what's most important is the music that we showcase, and people can and often do Google us or follow us on Instagram, and they can see right away who we are and, and what we are. Um, and uh, with that said, it is always nice. Last time we played a show in Delaware, next week, We'll play at the Santa Center, and we can kind of take our mask off, so to speak, and just be relax and be a little more of ourselves. Yeah, the Salmon Center is very gay. <laughs> Good. So are we. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I'm sure uh, Frederick's supervisor will be thrilled that I said that. Oh, she'll be over the moon. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I, I want to go back to your traveling, though, um, because most people who don't get to travel around the world uh, for their jobs think that traveling is very romantic. Um, have you had any surprises in any countries, either good or bad? Yeah. <laughs> we could probably write a book about things that have surprised us, as you say, uh, over the last seven or eight years now. We, um, we both have had luggage issues uh, since the pandemic. Actually, things seem to have gotten worse in that respect. And uh, last year in the summer, my cello spent two weeks in Madrid Airport by itself. And this year, um, yeah, it it had um, air tags. If anyone's listening, get air tags for your luggage and all all of them, even your carry-on luggage, because sometimes they make you check it, and it's just so handy to be able to rock up to an airport and be like, "Look, I can see that it's back there. Go and find it, please, because I need it in my life." Mm. And uh, that happened to me this year. Um, yeah, we've had some some doozy experiences for sure. Um, good experiences that surprised us. Can you think of anything off the top of your head that was that was good that we were surprised, surprised by? Um, I think there's some countries that we traveled to uh, that we were not expecting. You know, maybe they have a bad rap in, in the press, or there was areas that were ravaged by war in the past, and we've gone there. A, a good example of that is Croatia, which uh, used to be part of former Yugoslavia, and a lot of people think that it was. Um, maybe a dangerous place, but it's just such a beautiful, untouched, gorgeous place with amazing people, amazing food, amazing greenery. The, the nature there is gorgeous. The coastline is stunning. Jordan, I would also say that about Jordan. Yeah, um, mm. quite a progressive place, actually. In the yeah, for a Middle Eastern place, we felt very welcomed, and yeah, we had we went to Petra. It was stunning. Oh yeah. Hey, are there any countries that you have not been to that you want to or would like to go perform in? Yes. The answer to that is, I mean, I think so high up on our list is Argentina. I would love to go to yeah. perform in Buenos Aires. Me too. We've, mm. never, we've been to Argentina, but never. But only to really southern Argentina, yeah. Um, where else would you like to perform? Um, I don't I would actually like to perform in China. I think that the Chinese people would love what we put out. And I haven't been there yet. Brandon has already performed there. But I think China would be fascinating. I've been to China, and the people are just very, very welcoming. Yeah, I think also they they love Western-style music a lot and opera, and I think that they would kind of dig (laughs) what we offer. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've all seen the, uh, there's a George Michael uh, documentary that just came out this year. Actually, there's several of them, but this one, and there's a piece in it that he talks about when he was with the Wham and they went to perform in China and they didn't know what to expect and how welcoming they felt and how they uh, really embraced uh, Western culture and Western music. So, yeah, maybe a good place to go uh, perform. It would be. 
<clears throat> we love we've been to bali before in indonesia and uh we haven't performed there it was just a vacation but i would happily go back there anytime also me too it's such a great place and we definitely have an affinity for for europe any place in europe pretty much you could sign us up for hmm. earlier in the show you were talking about um how rock songs just tend to really work for your style I want to play Bohemian Rhapsody uh, next, but before I play it, do you have any comments about how you got it from Queen to your style? Um, well, we were, again, it, it had a lot to do with, with range. You know, Freddie Mercury's range is psychotic. Mm -hmm. And the way that that particular record is, is arranged, it sounds like a, a full operatic chorus, and that's something we knew that we couldn't attain with just the two of us, especially when performing it live. So we figured out a way to slow it down, and we always make a joke that if we perform Bohemian Rhapsody without performing Bohemian Rhapsody because we kind of left out all those tricky, all the big choral bits and just kind of stripped it back to the kind of main verse bits that he sings. Well, why don't we play, play it uh, and let our audience decide sounds good anyway the wind blows doesn't really matter to me to Sometimes I wish I'd never been born at 
Welcome back. I didn't know if my mic was on. <laughs> that was great, guys. I was just telling David, um, you guys really made this your own. Really did. And kudos, because it works. Are they still there? Hello? Hello. Yes, there, there you are. There you are. I'm so, did, did, you, did you guys hear me? Yes, we did. Thank uh, you. Okay. <clears throat> Because uh, I have heard um, covers of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody before, and they just kind of stick to it. At least they attempted to do it the way the Queen did. Um, but you guys went in a totally different direction. I think when you only have one voice, a piano and a cello to work with, you have to, you have to go in a different direction. Yeah. yeah. Have you thought of, especially for your uh, CDs, adding any instruments? Yeah, actually, we have an, uh, an album called Chasing Dreams, which we recorded several tracks with the Budapest String Orchestra. Um, it has uh, 60 pieces. Mm. Um, so we have added a lot of instrumentation. And um, in several other recordings, James will often create uh, texture with multiple cellos. So it kind of sounds like a, a string orchestra. He might write sometimes up to eight cello parts that he'll record individually that kind of accompany the vocals and the piano and the lead cello. Hmm. And Brandon, you mentioned uh, how, you know, yeah, you kind of had to want to be mentioned that you have to go in a different direction when it's just a piano and you uh, one voice. Have you ever thought about bringing in uh, maybe backup singers or a choir for certain pieces? Um, it's something we thought about. Uh, we do just some backup singing. James does some backup singing. Um, I'll record some backup Arts on some of our records, um, and then we love collaborating with with other voices, especially females. Um, we do a lot of work with the, the woman I mentioned earlier, Ethan Pacero, and um, we'll be doing a bunch of touring with her coming up, and and some recording as well. Nice. But yes, anytime we can collaborate with other musicians, always feels wonderful. And uh, right now, are you on tour, or are you just coming specially to do this concert? We're just coming out, especially to do that concert. We just finished uh, nine days in the Midwest, and last night we performed in Milton in Delaware. Um, and uh, we're enjoying uh, a little bit of time at home before we come to Dallas next week. And then uh, we're off on a cruise at the end of the month, which currently is scheduled for Egypt. But with all that's going on very near to there, I we'll see what happens. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess you're not out on the tour circuit running into people like Beyonce and Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> We're on different, um, different circuits. <laughs> really? With slightly smaller halls than they do. We're on the Lavender Circuit, and they're doing arenas. <laughs> yeah. Um, Frederick. Give our listeners the information about um, the concert, 
Sure. Um, so once again, uh, Artfully Salmons is what we've uh, titled this fundraiser. Um, will be Friday, October 20th at 8 p.m. We have a couple tables left, with you sh which you can purchase at salmonsartcenter.org, or you can call us at 214-520-7788, Mondays through Fridays from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. to place your tickets. Um, uh, we hope to see you there. It's going to be a great time. Um, obviously, they will make you, Brandon and James will make you laugh, and they'll make you cry all at the same time. Um, so it's going to be a great night. Um, it will also be celebrating our 35th anniversary of existence. Um, and all the money we raise is to build a strong, vibrant arts community for Dallas. So, and can, can you give us a, maybe a quick rundown just about a, the building itself again? Um, because that, it, this is kind of a, a Dallas treasure. Yes. So um, we are housed in what used to be the Turtle Creek Water Pump Station, which is the oldest city public building. Um, we have totally renovated it. It was built in 1908, I believe finished in 1909. Um, so the building's over 100 years old. The building is over 100 years old, yeah. Um, and uh, the brickwork that you see there, all the windows, it's all original. Nice. Um, which also means it costs more to replace it. Yep, yep. And upkeep. Um, and upkeep. Um, but it's it, it, what Joanna St. Angelo, our executive director, um, has done with it and created this beautiful space with so many different performing um, performance halls and rehearsal spaces and office spaces for our resident groups is incredible. Um, and uh, she, uh, the center opened in 1988. That's when all the renovations finished. Um, it, so basically, you know, it used to be the water pump station because the Trinity River used to run along mm -hmm. uh, the water pump station until the city moved it uh, about, I think, a mile and a half southwest of where it is now. Mm -hmm. um, and then they put in Harry Hines and the building was, um, we call it the Great Mutilation. So if you come visit the Salmon Centers, there's a wall with a weird angle and that's where the city took out a big corner of the building to put in Harry Hines. Uh, Frederick, I want to thank you for being here with us. Thank you and so much. Brandon and James, thank you so much. We're going to go out with your song, uh, Roxanne. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Sure. Do you want to just comment on the song? Yeah, it's, a, it's another thing that we've uh, kind of made our own. Uh, with just with cello accompaniment this time, not even any piano. And, uh, yeah, you'll see, you'll hear some uh, fairly unorthodox cello uh, sounds coming out in this one. <laughs> 